Today's sponsor is Audible.com, which has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at audible.com slash decode. Today's show is also sponsored by SoFi. SoFi offers student loan refinancing that saves members, on average, $19,000. They also partner with companies to help pay down employee student debt. See how SoFi can help you at SOFI.com. Terms and conditions apply at SoFi.com slash legal. Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by digital media. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. You may know me as the person putting all her money in her Casper mattress at the prospect of a Trump presidency, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. You can subscribe to Recode Decode at iTunes.com slash Recode Decode, and while you're there, leave us a review. Today in the red chair is Jamie Dimon, the president and CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase. He served as the bank's CEO since 2006 and chairman of the board since 2007. He's here in Silicon Valley visiting tech companies to better understand the future of the innovation economy and made some time to meet with us at the Rosewood Hotel right on Sand Hill Road. We're in a large boardroom right now, so there might be an echo. Jamie, welcome to the show. Kara, it's a pleasure to be here. So tell us why you're here. What are you doing here in Silicon Valley? So we, you know, I come here all the time. You, you but, do. And so do much of our management team. But this mm-hmm. particular trip, we have a whole bunch of folks. My whole management team, mm-hmm. plus a whole bunch of other people in digital, marketing, risk, analytics, big data, our groups, to meet with people and to learn more about what we're doing, where we can partner uh, you know, I, as I said before, to keep them a little bit scared, mm-hmm. you know, to make sure we lo- use these things to better serve our clients. So uh, we're spending a couple of days here and a couple of days in Seattle. Well, let's talk first about the changing nature of banking in the digital age. I mean, FiTech is the hot thing in Silicon Valley right now, although there's been some ups and downs recently, especially today with the Lending Club CEO stepping down. But talk a little bit about where you feel like you're on tech. How do you look at tech? Because I interviewed the CTO of Goldman Sachs, and obviously they're doing a lot of things like that, but different banks are doing different things. Yeah, so, you know, I don't buy that fintech is completely different, okay? So technology has been changing the world since we invented agriculture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this technology, so my whole business career, technology has been a critical part of what a bank does. Mm-hmm. How you service clients, process your transactions, et cetera. And so the computerization, com- faster compute, cheaper compute, mm-hmm. cheaper data, putting things online, that's been happening. I think the biggest difference now is happening faster. Mm-hmm. And it's also, I think the fintech companies are also very good at not just technology, but they're also good at, you know, I call business problems, mm-hmm. reducing pain points, straight through processing, mm-hmm. saying, why can't we do in one day what a bank takes 10 days to do? So we do a lot of this stuff ourselves. So we, you know, we partner a lot of companies here. We invest an awful lot of money. We have our own huge big data department, which I think is as good as any on Silicon Valley. Uh, you know, we have 22 million people bank on mobile. We have the highest rated mobile app. So but, you know, the fact is, in all these businesses, you got to learn all the time what mm-hmm. people are doing, what works better, and, you know, to get your own ideas, get your management team coordinated and thinking it through. So the, the whole purpose is to do a better job for your client. So if you look at banking, by the way, you know, the cost of transacting, whether it's interest rate swap, what's moving money around the world, what's buying or selling stock, is a tenth of what it was 20 years ago. And it's faster, quicker, more secure. So you're not one that's nervous about how people are going to change their banking habits. I mean, that's from a commercial perspective, but in terms of using banks. I think in, I'm not nervous, but I think in a capitalist world, it's a good thing that people try to attack your business models. So I, I think that's the right thing to do. I mean, I think I applaud that. That's why we're all why we're all here. I think some of our businesses are not going to be hard to attack. I think there are other businesses which are more open to attack, like payments. 
Mm-hmm. So if you ask me about payments, and I'd say, yeah, there are a lot of weaknesses in the banking mm-hmm. system. Not Which you have a big payment effort. Yeah, it's on. huge. Not, and well, I expect to win in payments, but there are weaknesses that, that you can exploit. And it's not because banks are dumb, but some of these systems were built a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Notch system that moves this ACH. I don't want to get too technical. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. It's not terrible because we. I would change it tomorrow if I could. But it's seventy-five banks. They vote on everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, for example, we're building our own with a bunch of the banks, P2P system, real time. And it'll cover 60% of the clients in America, and they're going to make it open to everybody. Mm-hmm. So I, I, we do a lot of what the Fentech people say. What do you want? Imagine what you want. Imagine what the clients would want. And then can you look backwards and how you can build it? What's the input to get that thing done? So uh, we are the biggest payments company. But it's also a reason to say, you know, I want to make sure we are always the best. We're finding better, faster, cheaper ways, in this case, to help merchants. So we're offering merchants very good deals mm-hmm. and data and our own customers, whether it's rewards programs, like the Starbucks. We're going to be, by the end of this year, rolling out the Chase Pay mm-hmm. in Starbucks. It'll be Chase Pay online. It'll be Chase Pay with your mobile phone. It'll be Chase Pay with a credit card. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're making it, it'll be Chase Pay in the Starbucks app. It'll be Chase Pay in our app, depending on how the client wants to access this is what we're right. looking to do. Let's stick to payments for a second. Yeah. You're, you're facing a lot of people who want to get into this, obviously Apple, yeah. Google. There's Square. There's all kinds of players moving into yeah. this Yeah, well, some space. are doing niche things. They're doing right. things that we don't do or don't want to do. Uh, mm-hmm. Square, uh, like, for We part of the Square. Yeah. And the things we can do with Square, and I applaud some of the stuff they're doing. I think, you know, so far it looks like, you know, an Apple and a Google, they want to make their products, they want to serve their customers by making banking easier for their clients, too. I don't think they want to be a bank. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, you know, in our, in our view, we started with Apple Pay quickly because Apple Pay is not really competing with us. What Apple Pay is trying to do is saying, use your phone for more purposes. They want to sell more phones. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually can help reduce fraud. They can actually do things that clients want. But inside of that is the Chase card. Mm-hmm. So I want my customer who has the Chase card, was a credit card or debit card, to say, this is great. I can use it the way I want to use it. Uh, in wherever a, in, I want. A, wherever you want. So you don't you imagine want. they want to supplant you, that eventually they don't want to figure out this payments thing and then get the credit cards off of those things, no, that they do I, the I, payments. They say they don't. I take them with the word. But even if they did, you know, even down the road, if people find different ways to compete and to do things better, faster, quicker, that is the way of the world. I'm not upset about that. I'm in favor of that. So payments is one of your biggest <clears throat> efforts, pay, being in the payments sector. Oh, uh, but digital payments social media and marketing right, right. and we like something like 50 percent of our new accounts last year were millennials mm-hmm. uh-huh. most of that's from social marketing you know and that's the facebooks and googles of the world right. and and uh so it's really everything things. it's big data you know we're applying big data and machine learning across the whole company uh, and i think big data is real mm-hmm. and i think machine learning is real and i think it's yeah. going to dramatically improve uh, you know, lo- reduce error rates, improve targeting, mm-hmm. uh, make it easy for customers, you know, get everything better and better and better. So mm-hmm. our, it has to be embedded in our DNA, which is part of the reason the management team so is out here talk, now. Talk a little bit about getting that into your DNA. Here, we have all these companies out here, various, of, of various parts of your business. How do you move a bank, a bigger institution, just the way entertainment companies or media companies have had trouble? How do you get the DNA of your so bankers every bi- into So every this? business... You know, usually at the table is the chief technologist, the digital, the big data. Uh, so we're all together. We sit mm-hmm. around and say, but, and we study everybody. There's no competitor out there that you you would think we haven't studied and analyzed. Mm-hmm. And, and we look at what they do well, but we don't think they do well. Well, we mm-hmm. can partner with them, but they'll be a very tough competitor. And we build it into how we plan. So if you actually were our, you know, our sessions, we're talking about what we're building next quarter, the quarter after that, the quarter after that, the year after that, mm-hmm. that we think will be better for serving clients. For, you know, for example, the Starbucks or, for example, the, the P2P and the banking system. Mm-hmm. And we have lots more stuff coming. So, 
Uh, and some of these competitors would be quite good, and some you know, will struggle or want to partner with banks for, you know, for different mm-hmm. reasons they thought. But within your own organization, how do you get people thinking like that? Or do you think they've always thought that you seem to think no, they've, we, they've... We've always done a little bit. We've, mm-hmm. I've always had the technology at the table, always. They've mm-hmm. got to be at the table. You know, business is not... You know, we separate the world sales, marketing, tech, right. ops. Now, when we say the table, we're all together. Mm-hmm. You can't separate them that way. It's working together. You work out what is the better mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. that works for the client, the, reducing the pain points. And uh, so at every business, these things are being reviewed and talked about. Mm-hmm. We, we have fabulous people. We also cut across the company. So in addition to that, we'll have a meeting about just digital. Mm-hmm. We'll have a meeting about just cyber. We'll have a meeting about just technological issues, a meeting just about cloud. And then we go educate everyone how we can use these things to do a better job for the client. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about cyber in a second. But in terms of training your, your people and figuring out how banking works in the next millennial, for example, do you sit around and say, what's a modern bank going to be in five years? This is the way the auto industry, you know, Mark Fields, I just was talking to him, what's a car look like? It doesn't yeah. look like what it looks like today. And yeah. a bank certainly doesn't. And if you're yeah. talking millennials, well, they don't you know, enter banks. Cha- you know, some of these changes might be quick. Mm-hmm. Some might be slow. So what's happening to the bank, so like I just said, 22 million of our clients already bank online. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, account opening online, banking online, really using branches, that's going up. The ATM, the amazing thing is it's what ATMs do. ATMs actually reduce the back office processing that takes place in a branch. Mm-hmm. So it used to be that 60 or 70% of the people in the branch did operations, depositing checks, giving people cash, money orders. Right. The ATM can do most of that now. Mm-hmm. So the branches are beginning smaller, more automated with ATMs, et cetera. Uh, the number of tellers in the branch is coming down. Mm-hmm. But as life unfalls, when you have more small business specialists, more investment specialists, more... So uh, you're redeploying more, them. Yeah, exactly. It's more advice. Mm-hmm. So over time, the branch will be smaller, uh, things like that. But I'm not sure it's going to happen overnight. Something like 25 or 30% of our branch business is small business. Mm-hmm. And small businesses and middle market companies need branches you know, to deposit checks, cash, coin, which mm-hmm. is how they're getting paid. And mm-hmm. that's not going to go overnight. They, they're going to need that for quite a while. So you feel like that eventually but, the bank will go away, though, the, the, the actual physical, bank, the, the physical, physical bank. I, I think eventually they will be – no, I think there will still be places where you want to go to get personal face-to-face advice and expertise uh, that, you, that you just really can't do elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And those people might be hooking up with other people by telepresence, so it might be more efficient Could than be that. Could bots? Bots, you it, know, could, it could be it could be that it could be that and they might be in the second floor not the first floor there, there are a whole bunch of things you can envision happening but right mm-hmm. now we need those branches to serve clients right so interestingly I've, I showed you when we got here this article in the New York Times that says Jamie Dimon wants to protect you from innovative startups yeah. which is not a very nice headline well, it's full of shit that headline okay so, all right, good. and they should be more careful when they write things like that if they if you read it more carefully yeah what I said in there was that, and, this and is your letter. The, you wrote a letter. It's my chairman's letter. Chairman's you can go letter. read it. And, right. and I was very try to be very accurate and fair. Mm-hmm. I said that some people have been taking data for many, many right. years after you gave them permission to stop using the product. Mm-hmm. I said that I don't think the clients understand what data is being taken or how it's being used. I, which is, and these things are just accurate. We know for a fact. Mm-hmm. The third one says that, that a lot of the data is being uh, resold, which was not the original intent mm-hmm. or may not have been. And the fourth, I said it changes the liability in some cases, not all cases. He questioned it. Yeah. I didn't say in all cases, but I said in some cases, you know, if you wake up tomorrow, there's no money in your bank account. Right. That's my problem. Right. Okay. But if, if you gave your bank passcode away to a company and that company itself did something wrong, that's their problem. And so, you know, it's, the clients should understand when they give the bank passcode, they're, they're increasing their risk. And then what he, what he doesn't mention mm-hmm. there, which is really important, he said, mm-hmm. we want our clients to use the services they want. Right. 
Right. We, all yeah. we says we're going back to be responsible to say to these companies that you, you have to make it clear what you, you the data you are giving and why you need mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. That you have to make it clear if you're going to remarket it, right. uh, and you have to make it clear to the client what you're going to do if by your fault that the money is taken or something like that. Right. So, right. and by yeah. that, we're, those conversations taking place. And, and by, I've heard it from everyone here I spoke to today acknowledges this is a big deal. Mm -hmm. What data people have, how they market the data, how they sell the data, how they use the data. And then you all, and you all you on the phone right now, I, I guarantee you push that I agree button, you know, 30 times. Mm -hmm. Well, we actually took out all the contracts that you agreed to. So I'm not going to go through all the names of the company. And you'd be shocked what you agreed to. Mm -hmm. And, and, and also, much, it's not quite yeah. clear to me that it's yeah. being used the way they said either. Right. We found a, a couple of examples that we don't think is accurate. So you know, to me, this is just a, a good discipline put in place, what people take, how they use it, why they use it, sunset, the taking of information if you signed up for a service mm -hmm. and you stopped using it. Mm -hmm. you, know, they, you shouldn't be giving information outside forever. All right. We're talking to Jamie Dimon, who is the head of J.P. Morgan Chase, one of the most important banks in the country about banking and the way it's changing. If you're always on the go like myself and don't have time to sit down and read, audible.com is a great source to be able to catch up on the latest bestsellers. Listen to it while on the road or at the gym. Audible.com is a leading provider of premium digital spoken audio information and entertainment on the internet. Audible content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Audible carries audiobooks in every genre imaginable, business, classics, history, and self-development, just to name a few. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash decode and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash decode. That's audible.com slash decode and get started today. This episode is also brought to you by SoFi. SoFi is a new kind of finance company that's helping people get out of student debt faster. Refinancing student loans with SoFi saves members on average $19,000. SoFi even partners with companies to help pay off employees' loans. Talk about a great employee benefit. See how SoFi can help you at SOFI.com. Terms and conditions apply at SoFi.com slash legal. We're here with Jamie Dimon, the chairman and CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, and we're talking about banking issues. We were just talking about a story in the New York Times about that you don't like innovative startups, <laughs> essentially said that, and you don't agree with that. No, it was, um, it was an irresponsible headline. All right. so And we work with 100 out here, and we're out here all the time. Right. So talk a little bit about innovative startups. I mean, some of these that they were talking about in this article are aggregators, and they try to aggregate your information and use bank data and all kinds of things to give you advice, the mints, the acorns, or savings. Should you be more into that, or, or are you letting them do that? Let no, 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 of course. Well, sometimes I can't aggregate, well, I probably could aggregate mm -hmm. data from four different banks. I'm not against mm -hmm. an aggregator saying, I get permission from the client, I aggregate this data, mm -hmm. because the client wants to see an aggregated basis, and here's, here's what I'm going to do with it. So I, there, I'm fine with that. It's just how they use it. Right. If I'm helping the client or just mm -hmm. selling their data, those are right. two completely different things. Right. As long as they understand that maybe that's the way their aggregate is paid. So, but robo-investing... We'll probably be doing it at one point. Mm -hmm. This a, is a pure online taking bank. money out of people's accounts and saving and just yeah. Oh yeah, we could do so, we could do a lot of that stuff acorns, ourselves. Yeah. But some of these people are very good and they have very good ideas, and we, mm -hmm. we may partner with them because they've already mm -hmm. built the system of software. You know, mm -hmm. you know, we're partnering with On Deck. Mm -hmm. It'll be a Chase loan, Chase credit on Chase's balance sheet. But they've built some great systems. We're you know we're going to be testing with them how we can work together, do a better job for mm -hmm. clients that we have a little bit harder time reaching. Mm -hmm. And but then we also look what they do. You know, there are a lot of these loans we can also make in 
one day, mm-hmm. not 15. Right. And we can right. add revolvers on top of the loans we already have. Right. This so is the SoFi's of the world and the yeah. others. Yeah. yeah. So I think some of these people are doing great stuff and they may how, be... How yeah. do you look at the rise of those kind of lenders? Because you're a lender and they, these are slightly different ways of doing it, but they're trying to reach out to customers in different ways. Yeah. Some, some are niche businesses we're not going to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. We are not going to do student lending uh, for a whole bunch of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, some are loans on top of our loans. Some are the, they actually mm-hmm. they do a better job now because it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. You know, Jeff Bezos says your, your margin is my opportunity. <laughs> in some cases, these things are more expensive. They're not right. cheaper. Right. But, but the clients love them because they, you can pay it off in 12 months. It might be 15%. You want to buy a truck, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't have to go through the torture process of a bank. Well, we should be doing that ourselves too, right? I mean, shouldn't we be, if, we're, if you're a client of ours, you have a $200,000 loan, mm-hmm. maybe just give you an automatic $30,000 line of credit. So these the startups are looking at weaknesses in banks and providing services. And, and some will end up partnering with banks and some won't. The lending side whether you're lending to a person or a business, I mean, all of us can get credit right. All big data can improve credit. So whether you're a bank or a, you know, a startup, that, those things can be done. Making the pain points less, banks have to re- redo their systems and stuff, which is doable. Sometimes it takes a longer period of time. Um, but one issue that I always raise about P2P, and this is not, I'm not saying this because I disagree with them. I'm saying this because it's something they should deal with. The lender to them might not be always be there. Mm-hmm. Okay, hedge funds. Well, they had that issue se- today with lending clubs. Exactly, with the CEOs hedge funds, down. individuals, you know, securitizations. They are not there in bad markets, and that's what. And I've been saying it for years. That's so what someone just learned lending. in January. And fe- well, I think they need some permanent f- sources of funding. Right. So you could look at that as being a deposit, a long-term relationship with the bank. Uh, you could raise long-term capital. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are w- there are ways to create long-term funding so you can continue your business. Which is when, largely a marketing business. Well, yeah. It's a lending and marketing yeah, exactly, business, yes. but it's getting people in the door in yes. a certain fashion. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about Silicon Valley and the IPO market. It has been slow here, yeah, yeah. and you have a big business in yeah. that. We are one of the biggest investment banks here. We're probably right. the biggest investment bank in M&A and IPOs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been doing nothing but growing here. We're 3,000 people here. You know, This is one of kind of a home of ours and. uh so the IPO market, I mean, first of all, it's always open and closed. It's always been true. That's not different today than it was before, and it's I call it like, a little bit like an accordion. Mm-hmm. And it reacts to a whole bunch of different things about what people think the future is and valuations. Right. And uh, So I think last year there were, I forgot, 27 IPOs. Mm-hmm. I think so far this year there's been one, right. which we did, I yeah. believe. And so it, it'll open again. The, but this, why isn't it open right now? What is your take on I think It's not a bad economy. Have, it's not a bad... It's, it's different for every company. But people have higher ideas of valuation than the market's going to give them right now. Mm-hmm. You're being there's kind. A, there's a lot of competition. So mm-hmm. you talk about peer-to-peer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you're the first or second peer-to-peer, it's kind of exciting. When you're the sixth or seventh, it's not quite as exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's competition in Silicon Valley to Silicon Valley. Uh, you know, I think it's clear that you know, not all the competitors are going away, like banks. You know, they're... They're going to be here competing. So I guess a whole city. There's all these stories about the unicorns, you know, being unicorpses. And so, you know, when people. <laughs> I heard that there's one. A deep psych- I heard that today. Did you? I like it. Uh, you know, there's a deep psychological reaction to IPOs, you know. And, uh, and why? But and, why is that? When do you. I mean, you're saying according, but when does it go remember, back? But, this but, has but been unusual. On, on the counter. Right. I think, again, I don't remember the exact number, but there were five or six or seven private equity placements. There have been a lot of those. That have been done so at pretty damn good valuations. Mm-hmm. So companies who need who want some money but didn't want to go public. Right. So it isn't it isn't the that, it isn't that companies can't raise money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think forty percent of that was like four so or five companies. Why don't these companies want to go public? The ones that can. The Ubers of the world, maybe Airbnb. It, well they have other sources of capital too. Right. You know, and so in the old days sometimes people didn't. 
now there's a little more staying power. The you know, venture capital's got you know, a plenty of money to continue funding some of these companies. And uh, you know, being a public company, unfortunately, has become more painful, mm-hmm. which I think the number of public companies has gone from something like eight or 7,000 to 4,000. And you know, I'm not. I'm not saying it's a terrible thing, but I'm not sure it's a great thing for America because because, because you sit down with these companies who want to go public. There's a long list of negatives, mm-hmm. painful corporate governance, you know, a, a lot of focus and compensation. All the you know, public interest groups get involved in what you do inside mm-hmm. the company. Uh, your shareholders leak memos to me. I get them all <laughs> exactly. There, yeah. There's tons of stuff. So you can imagine people saying, "You know what? Let's stay private as long as we can." Right. And right. I'm sympathetic. Do you imagine sometimes. it's going to turn around when you're talking about this accordion? Oh, Do absolutely. You and yeah. what will spur it? Is there something that creates it, or suddenly I mean, Uber will say, "I'm going public now, finally." I don't know. Yeah. But but norm- it normally it's something like that. There's a trigger event. You know, some company you know does has a great victory. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, sentiment, you know, you've seen sentiment change how many yeah, times? I mean, absolutely. Sentiment's like the tide going in and out. Right. Do you? How do you get companies to use you for an IPO versus others? Well, I think. I how, hope, how, I, how are you marketing yourself right now? Well, I hope that we. First of all, we are very steadfast with our clients. So it, all around the world, they're in good times and bad times. We did not need TARP, which most of the American public does not know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we helped the federal government, the state government, in the crisis including by buying Bear Stearns. You know, we stayed in Spain, Italy, Greece, Argentina all those years mm-hmm. because, you know, our clients, they rely on us. And whether it's a government or a co- company or a private company, and we've been the same here. So remember, part of our heritage here is Hampton and Quist. So a lot of our bankers have long-term tenure. They're trusted by their clients, and they're supported with enormous brain power by the rest of the company. So think of, we can get you the best advice anywhere you need in the world. We, can, we know the financing markets all around the world. We all, always tell our bankers, be honest. Treat people like you would treat your mother in terms of what their options are, what the pros and cons are, what all these things are. We support them before they go public. We support them after they go public. And we provide plenty of other services, too. From- Is it critical to have the IPO market return for your business? Or is it just... It's not critical. I, again, I look at that like the weather. We will be doing here banking for clients. And if the IPO market's not good or bad the next six months and nine months, it's not going to change our strategy. And Silicon what about your Valley, own investment? Silicon Valley, San Francisco are creating great companies over time. We will be here forever. So, you know, uh, you've never seen J.P. Morgan, at least during my tenure, you know, jump in and out, you know, try to guess how good the market's going to be, cut way back. Right. In fact, we're, we're probably, we've added nothing but resources, more specialization, better research, all the things that I hope companies would want to see if they want to go public. What about your own investing in companies? You've done some active investing here in various yes, companies. Yes, we, we often buy a What are you looking company. for? What are you looking for when you invest? Well, you, usually some of the companies... Uh, and I always get this wrong, so I'm not giving you any names because they always get mad at me and say, Jimmy, that was private. You shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Please uh, do. Yeah. No, but you, usually we partner with them mm-hmm. and we're going to give them a lot of business. Mm-hmm. So we buy 5 or 10% of the company. Right. And, well, and we like What are you looking that. for when you do that? Well, if we're going to partner with them all, that we think they're very good at what they do, mm-hmm. they're going to a lot of value. It's something we're not going to do ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they, they need our business and we'll probably be giving them business for, for a long period of time. And we have an evaluation that we think we'll probably make some good money mm-hmm. in addition to having a great partner. So, uh, and that, is that a big and part? I think we have 70 various investments. Yeah, you do. You and have some a lot. of them I'd be willing to buy too. I mean, right. the whole thing. Yeah, you have a lot. But, but very, very often what they're doing here, they, they can do it over a much broader base of companies. Mm-hmm. You know, so if, if sometimes you're building this system, it'll be used by 40 people. It's very expensive to build it for one. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I just give you one example. You know, we torture clients now with, with know your customer. Mm-hmm. So we have to have a huge amount of data on a customer before we can even onboard them mm-hmm. and then run it through AML and you know, anti-money laundering. You know, if someone could 
get all that data in these big clients, and it's done at subsidiary, it's got to be updated, it's done by officer. When we get that money information of client, so do eight other banks sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, of course, the, the far better idea is to have a utility that does mm-hmm. it once. We can all rely on the information. It's better for us, and it's far, far better for the client. Mm-hmm. They don't have to maintain one file. We're talking with Jamie Dimon, the CEO and chairman of J.P. Morgan Chase. We'll be back. This episode is brought to you by GoCD, the open-source continuous delivery server created by ThoughtWorks. GoCD is the best integration and deployment tool you've probably never heard of. It offers complete customization for your software's individual needs. There's no plug-in or workaround needed. GoCD just goes. Spend more time delivering and less time configuring. Commercial support and enterprise add-ons, including disaster recovery, are available. Download GoCD for free at www.go.cd. This is the time in the podcast when I ask Peter Koffig about what's coming up on Recode Media. And usually I'm in San Francisco and he's in New York, but today I'm here in the Big Apple stalking him in his strange little den here at a Welcome comedy back club. Here. Thank you. It's it's quite colorful here. You've been around. You've, you've seen New York before. I have. I was, you know, I am a New Yorker, actually. Yeah, you feign as if you're a West Coast native. No, I am a New Yorker. You're I am a Californian right. now, but I am an East Coaster from way back. Welcome back to our Dirty Grimy Club. Well, thank you. I like it a lot. So tell me about your Dirty Grimy podcast. Appropriately, we had a guy who runs the entire live music business, Michael Rapino. Mm-hmm. He's the CEO of Live Nation. So if you go to an event, if you go to a concert, if you go to Hamilton, if you buy a ticket mm-hmm. to pretty much anything, he's made a little bit of money right. off you because he controls Live Nation, which controls basically all the concerts. If you see Beyonce this summer, you're paying him. And he also runs Ticketmaster. Right. The much-hated Ticketmaster. Much-hated. I was just going to say, I was just thinking bad things in my head while you were saying that. Very important. And again, as the music business has sort of collapsed, CD sales don't exist anymore, digital downloads are going away, his role in the music business becomes more and more important. So if you care at all about music and entertainment... He's someone you want to pay And also to. Live Nation's had kind of a rocky history. Irving Azoff was involved. There was all kinds of different things that happened there. Yeah, and, and traditionally the concert business is kind of a back of the club, grimy dollar bills being exchanged, guys with rough accents mm-hmm. threatening each other. And his what he's done successfully is made this a public business. Wall Street thinks it's quite valuable. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to figure out, all right, what do we do from here? Is there a digital play here? They're trying to, there's some VR talk. But really it's it's about... You say, you just dismiss that, some VR talk. I don't even think he's that serious about it. Yeah. But, but the point is, what else do you do besides mm-hmm. get people to come to see Taylor Swift or Beyonce? What else can you do to make money? Is there a digital play? Is there other ways to extend that business? And that's an interesting topic. I can't wait to hear about it. Michael Rapino will be on Recode Media this week. Kara, thanks for visiting. Go back to your show now. I will go back to the clean kombucha living that I have in San Francisco. See ya. We're talking with Jamie Dimon, the CEO and chairman of J.P. Morgan Chase. He's just a big banker, essentially. That's what you are. Let's talk about trends. Let's finish up. Hopefully a good banker. Well, you know, some people have different opinions of you. Mm. (laughs) I don't have any. Mm. You did get, you know, the rage from the Wall Street bailout is certainly manifesting itself in this election. Mm -hmm. How do you look at that? I mean, because it's clear they're talking about the big banks, Hillary Clinton, Trump is using it. Um, It's really become a topic that's come back from 2008. I think it's it's rage about... There's rage about banks. There's rage about big business. There's pure rage, and you know, I wish unemployment and, trade. And, and I look at it. Look, there was legitimate reason that the American public got mad, both at Washington, big banks, etc. Mm-hmm. And I pointed out this bank is not true that all banks were bailed out. Mm-hmm. You know that one statement has made it just as unbelievable that people people think about banks. Banks provide an absolutely necessary thing. 
So, you know, all of our clients do business with us because they want to. We don't make anyone do business with us. We, we hold their money. We move their money. Uh, we lend them money. We raise money for them. That's true for middle market companies, for small businesses. Our co- client SAS scores are high. But I understand the anger. You know, I think we've had uh, in America, you know, it's, not, it's slow growth and lopsided growth in terms of the middle, you know, the middle income people. I think that's true. Mm-hmm. I think what we need to do is grow faster. You know, and then come up policies, better tax policies for like, I would greatly expand the earned income tax credit. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would, you know, we got to fix some of these things. So I would ask all these people raging, tell me what you're going to do that's going to fix the problem that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I can give you, if we, if I'm not we, so sure they have answers. I think they just are the, you know, I know, but, but they lose their jobs, they lose their right. ability. I, I to, think whoever is the next president, if they fix immigration, we got to reduce corporate tax reform. The great bargain, because that's kill, that is pushing cap. We are pushing capital and brains out of America today, mm-hmm. and then we sh- we need to do something in education to help the uh, lower income, uh, uh, the underprivileged, and in inner city, particularly in inner city schools. I would greatly expand the earned income tax credit. I think raising minimum wage is a completely rational thing to do. I just be careful about doing it equally everywhere. I think mm-hmm. I would let states do different things, and uh, I'd come up with training programs that if people lose their jobs because of trade. So I would be a big promoter of trade, which is great for growth, but we acknowledge the fact that it causes damage in a limited part of business. And where it does, we should have retraining, relocation, uh, income assistance, and all those things so that that community can recover too. Were you surprised by all this anger on all sides? No. It's not even to no, the left you, or right. It's you, both sides. If you had spoke to most bankers, they expect to be part of the uh, political season. Right, for the political season. Do you imagine it dying down, or do you feel like this is going to be a topic for— I, I, Look, I hope— I don't know if it's going to die down. I hope that policies are made not because of populism, but they're made because they're going to help the very people the populists are talking about. There are rational, collaborative policies. You go all around the world. You know, I meet presidents and prime ministers. There are things that work. There are things that don't work, okay? And you can see evidence of this in Venezuela, Argentina, East Germany, most of Eastern Europe after the, the war, Greece. They don't work. We've been there, and we've China, you know, before you know they they started changing policies 20, 30 years ago, mm-hmm. and we know of policies that do work, and you can see them in evidence all over America, Singapore, South Korea, and that's what we need to do: acknowledge the problems and fix them, but don't kill the the goose. So you even hear anger these days about technology. Mm-hmm. Technology yes, is taking away jobs. They are taking it is taking away jobs. But, but it will take but, away but more. But we live like we live today because of technology. Right. The health is better. The air is better. Right. You know, you got a supercomputer in your pocket. I get The food that. is getting better. I think when you lose your job, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. You're no, absolutely but, right. No, but the point is, don't kill the golden goose that's made society so great for people. It's going to mm-hmm. double the income of the world and the average person in the next 20 years. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take another one or two billion dollar people mm-hmm. out of property. Don't kill that golden goose. Fix the problem that it does create. Acknowledge it and then fix it. Mm-hmm. And again, that's education training, income retraining, assistance, really. retraining, yeah. exa- exa- exactly. So, yeah, I just was interviewing uh, Ann Wojcicki from 23andMe, and she was talking about radiologists will not have jobs in 10 years because computers will be able to read most I, I heard that. I heard that today, too. It's really fascinating. But, you know, look, it, I mean, Warren that, Buffett that means, wrote about farm workers has gone from right. you know, 11 million to 200,000, or I, I forgot right. the exact number. But, it's a small but number. But if you could have said back then, we're not going to allow those jobs to go away. So we still have 11 million people on farms. Right. We probably wouldn't do a lesser job of feeding people. Technology is a wonderful thing that's helped mankind enormously. Like, look at healthcare alone. Right, absolutely. Okay, and so, again, I understand the fear, but the, we, we need our politicians to say, okay, let's get the good part of technology and fix the bad part. Right. There was a great story one day. Someone, oh, Milton Friedman was walking mm-hmm. through 
Vietnam or China, something like that, and they were building a road. And they were building a road with shovels. Mm -hmm. And he said, why are you building a road with shovels? You can do it so much faster with less people with backhoes, mm -hmm. which you have. And the person said, ah, Mr. Friedman, that's a very good question because we want the employment. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Friedman said, well, that's great. Why don't you do it with spoons? <laughs> All right, we'll talk about the impact of technology. still does scare people, though, here in elsewhere, all over the world. I does. know, but I think we're educating people the wrong way, and we're going to end up driving public policy the wrong way. And, and we need leaders to lead. That means explaining things to people and then coming up with policies that fix the downside of it. There are downsides to a lot of things, but you don't want to stop them all. There are downsides to flying. Right. You know, people die every now and then. Do you want to stop all air flights? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They're downsized to pharma. Right. Sometimes they're misused. Do you want to stop using pills? Mm -hmm. In that vein, look at uh, what's happening with Apple, for example, with the federal government and encryption. Now, there's a big business, lots of jobs, yeah. lots of economic yeah. opportunity from the, the company over the decades. Um, one of the most important technology companies at war with the government over an iPhone or an encryption. Yeah. How do you look at that? We've had our own problems with the government. Uh, <laughs> look, they have always made one very important case, that this should not be decided by a judge or a jury, which will be decided differently everywhere. It's a very complex case. It really should be decided by the Congress, the le by legislation. And to do it right, you really need to get the people in the room of deep knowledge about yeah, civil society, issue. data privacy, misuse of data privacy, You know what these backdoors really mean, all those various things, because there are real issues here. And I don't think it should just be made, you know, out of anger or something like that. Right. So, uh, yeah, one iPhone did not is not going to stop ISIS. I think that's, fixing one. That's, that, that's also uh, correct. When you look around at technology, what do you see right now that really excites you around things? Is it VR? Is it AR? Is it self-driving cars? Is there something that, you know, as you as you look around with a big well, banking I, company, I, what I, do you? I think big data and machine learning are real mm -hmm. and are going to drive huge benefits for people for a long period of time, mm -hmm. whether it's in healthcare, processing, any form of business, stuff like that. I think augmented uh, reality mm -hmm. is, is real mm -hmm. and it will make our lives easier somehow. Though it's, you know, I'm not a futurist. I can't completely right. imagine it, but I do think right. it's real. VR is, VR is hard for me to understand. Have you tried it? No. And, 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 and you know, forget entertainment. Mm -hmm. I'm, I've read about the really use cases in right. healthcare and right. anatomy, and I'm sure I'm sure there's going to be some. I just it's hard for me to. I've not mm -hmm. spent enough time thinking about it to give mm -hmm. you a real answer there, about it. What about self-driving cars, autonomous vehicles? I'm, I'll make a guess that in 30 years it's illegal to drive a car. Le illegal. Illegal because it's so much safer to have an. Uh, I don't know. I think it'll more be like owning a horse. You know, if you have a horse, if you like. Horses, no, I, I think it'll be more like you need a pilot's license. We don't want humans driving cars right. because we now have gone from thirty-five thousand deaths a year yeah. to two thousand. Right, right. And therefore, if you're going to have to drive a car, you got to get a special license. That's probably true. And maybe you're right. It'll be like driving a horse. You'll, right. You'll, 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 you go to a uh, speeding place to drive your car, but right. I mean, these again, it, these things would be great for older people for. It, it'll, it'll be wonderful for society. Yeah. Of course, there'll be some downside to it, which right. we should fix with training. And in a hundred years from now, it'll be you know four or five times what they are today. Mm -hmm. People will be working three days a week. Right. You know, they have more leisure, more entertainment, and everyone, people will be happier and healthier. Mm -hmm. But let's not stop the technology that's going to make that possible. All right. What is your technology uses? What are you, are you a geek? You you know more than most bankers. I have to tell I you. I spend a lot. I spend an awful lot of time on technology with the yeah. technology people. You don't people, Snapchat. You don't strike me as a Snapchat. I, I don't, but I but, but my biggest technology is is the iPhone, which mm -hmm. I yeah. I do a lot of stuff on. I yeah. read our stuff. I right. I read our research. I use the apps. I mail my kids. I do my all my corporate email and this thing. Mm -hmm. I do I do some of my banking. Mm -hmm. Check the weather. 
Yeah. yeah I can control my house, like the temperature right. and stuff from here. Crest Is there around. anything really techy that you do? No. You don't really. have an Oculus Rift? No. You don't have a self-driving car, a Tesla? No, I don't have, no. I not know that, no. Why is that? You I'm, look like I'm, a Tesla guy I, to me. I love, I, I play my music in here. Um, <laughs> Tesla's a beautiful car, but yeah. uh, I no. don't. I, no. I'm a New York City kid. I mean, I literally, I didn't have a car until I was right. much so older. So you know how to use a subway, right? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, you I haven't do. done it in a while. My kids make fun of me. They say, Dad, every now and then I go get a cab. They say, Dad, if you're going to go get a cab, you, you have to put your hand out. Yeah, actually. And the other one says, and when you get in, you have to tell them where you're going. Oh, as opposed and to just And when you get out, you have to pay fears. them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, Uber sort of has changed that. Uber's getting close to that, yeah. Um, that's what, what would you like Silicon Valley to invent? I ask everybody this question. I want a time machine. I'll give you an example. What would you like to see happen? can be very serious. Most people are super serious. Uh, uh, what would you like to have happen? I would love... I, I think the biggest risk society has... I mean, first, I think they do a great job inventing stuff. I think big companies too do, by the way. I don't think they're the only people out there inventing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure they could fix this one problem. Bad public policy could really put us in a bad position. Mm-hmm. So they want you want to invent and, a politician? Well, print maybe, one? Maybe, 3D print maybe a politician? Maybe use more of their brain power to figure out policies that work and then use some of that brain power to, to explain it to people in a way that people understand. Yeah, you've, you begin with the question that they have brains to start with. I mean, I think policymakers don't know much about technology at all. That's my impression. No, but it's not the technology. It's, it's, right. it's you know, I was talking about earned income tax credit. Right. Real analytics can actually probably show, we actually have J.P. Morgan Chase Institute, which mm-hmm. we do real analytics, so we can go city by city and see what actually happens in credit card spending, debit card spending, as minimum wages go up. As oil prices go down, mm-hmm. so I'm saying, if you designed a great earned income tax credit, far mm-hmm. better than the one today, because has multiple floors than we have today, broader today, so it can apply to individuals, mm-hmm. not married families. It could mm-hmm. be more like a negative tax; it's automatic. So you have better data for so them. better data, and then prove that that works so well, mm-hmm. and that you know, and and then you're rewarding people for working, and it's a, it's it could be a great thing. So yeah. we need more policy design. Policy is that, anecdotal. A lot of policy is created anecdotally, not ex- exactly. But but even big data can be moved there. So I. We will be able to see as states raise their minimum wages, tell you what it does to employment and spending. Mm-hmm. So if you can prove with big data that you know raising it, you know, 10% improves both employment and spending, well then it's a no-brainer. If you can prove that at 20% it reduces employment and ultimately reduces spending, then you, you know you don't do it. So you can do the same thing by testing taxes in certain states. Mm-hmm. You know, a matter of fact, you can look at states that have various types of tax codes and tax things and say this one seems to be helping business mm-hmm. and jobs. And this one doesn't, including healthcare. You can be doing that. So I think I do think you, a lot more can be applied to come with good public policy. It's, you can have a dream a thousand years from now. Okay, they're going to look at what we do with fiscal policy and monetary policy a little bit like bleeding the patient mm-hmm. in healthcare, like they did a couple hundred years Leaches. ago. We don't have data a thousand years from now. You know, huge, you know, like a cockpit with all mm-hmm. the numbers and uh-huh. you have automatic stabilizers, the payroll taxes yeah. and investment tax cuts or. You know, tax credits, and you know, we're, we're still learning how to run a modern economy. Yeah. So that's, this, and I think it's a big deal because bad policy really hurts people. Right. Well, that is a very good thing to end on. We didn't even get to Bitcoin, but later, another okay. conversation. Thank you so much, Jamie Diamond, Chairman Jordan. and CEO of JP Morgan Chase. Oh, I know you. where you're from. Thanks a lot. <laughs> if you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. Be the first to listen to future episodes or catch up on previous episodes, including some really fantastic interviews I've done with Lyft CEO John Zimmer, Yelp CEO Jeremy Stoppelman, and just last week, Representative Nancy Pelosi, just to name a few. And you can find all those interviews and more at recode.net slash decode. 
Now that you're done with this, why not try our other podcasts? Recode Media with Peter Kafka comes out every Thursday. Then on Friday, you can hear me on Too Embarrassed to Ask along with Lauren Good of The Verge. And on Recode Replay, you can find audio from our events like the Code Conference, Peter Kafka's Code Media, and last week's Code Commerce. Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of Recode Decode. Remember to subscribe to the show and leave us a review at iTunes.com slash Recode Decode. I'll be back here on Monday with another great guest. Tune in then. This has been Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by digital media. For more hard-hitting interviews with insiders from the worlds of tech, media, and politics, subscribe to Recode Replay on iTunes, featuring candid conversations with leading voices like AOL CEO Tim Armstrong, Goldman Sachs' CIO Marty Chavez, the team behind the hit TV show Empire, Shark Tank investor Mark Cuban, and presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. They're all on Recode Replay.